Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Homeschooling Helps. I'm Andrea Schwartz, and with me is my co-host, Nancy Wilk. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Andrea. Good to see you. So today, we're going to talk about something which I don't think is too controversial. However, I think it often gets misrepresented, and that is the need for families to have a support network. This would be true for any family, It's especially true in the homeschooling setting because so much is concentrated in the family that Mm -hmm. you need to have more hands at times than just the mom and dad might have. Right. What this is not is the it takes a village to raise a child because that whole mindset makes the state or the Uh, civil realm, the civil culture, the determiner of how children should be raised, what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat, what medical attention they should get, what they shouldn't, how they should be educated, what should be the subject matter. So clearly, I guess I want to make clear at the beginning, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. So let's jump right in. What kind of support do we need? What are you talking about? And... How do we identify a good support if we recognize our, when we recognize our need for one? Well, first of all, we all have a need for one. We're, we're not islands unto ourselves as individuals. And we've got to get away from the idea of the atomistic family, mom, dad, and the kids. That's all we want in our little domicile, whether it's an apartment, a duplex, a home, a mansion, whatever it is. We need other people. And the scripture calls us to be part of community. And so the basic institution in scripture is the family. And isn't it interesting that God calls the church the family of God? So we better get family right if we're going to get how we're supposed to relate to those we're united to in Christ. Yes, indeed we do. So... So let's say you have a homeschooling mom and she's got four children. She's responsible to help her husband in his work. She's responsible to care for her children. And she's also responsible in their education. She falls down and she breaks her leg. Now what? What does she do? What would most people do? (laughs) What would most people do in that situation? For a lot of people, did they plan ahead to live near family, to live near the support structure that sisters and brothers, mothers and fathers, grandparents even might be able to help? Well, if you didn't make those kinds of plans ahead of time, now you might be in a community and you might say, well, I have friends, but those friends might be the kind of friends that you go out and you go out to dinner with or you go to a baseball game with. Are these the kind of people who are invested 
in actually helping you bear your burden. In this case, mm -hmm. mom can't drive, her foot's in a cast. She's got four kids. Maybe she can still maintain the homeschooling, but can she maintain the cleaning of the house? Can she maintain making sure there's enough food in the, in the pantry, things like that. Right. Well, that really is a, a huge struggle for a lot of people because so many have um, been raised in our culture where we can move very easily and very quickly with jobs away from family and away from friends. And we have the perception that we can keep in touch with people. We can keep in touch with people from our, our Facebook or telephones and technology, but it doesn't really put them right there when somebody needs to go to the grocery store for mom or pick up a kid that needs it. Right. So because we don't have this sense of our need, because we don't think about our needs when everything is going really well, we also don't necessarily become conscious of other people's needs. And so how many people within a church community are aware of the fact when somebody's, the family's one and only car is broken down? Well, oftentimes people are going to say, I don't want to impose on others. Well, are people ready to step up to the plate and say, by the way, I heard your car's not working. Do you need any groceries picked up? Do you need any doctor's appointments to go to. You see, we don't get invested enough. And quite frankly, most people aren't even trained as to how to help people in need. The customary church response is to bring a casserole. <laughs> I'll bring them a casserole. Well, that's lovely. I can tell you there are times I received casseroles, but in some cases I couldn't eat it because they were things either that I was allergic to or I just didn't eat. So do we know each other well enough and are we ready? And if we're going to say, oh, yes, the scripture says we should bear in each other's burdens. Do we share our burdens or are we reluctant to and too often willing to go to then the state as opposed to initially our family who God gives the responsibility to and then to the family of God? Right. I'm a little bit distracted by the train. As you can hear, it's still rumbling back. But um, one of the things I also see is there's a lack of confidence in stepping into a situation to help. A lot of people will say, well, I'll pray for it and sort of just back off instead of having the, the confidence to just go in there and say, I'm going to wash these dishes and I'm going to fold these clothes because they need to be done. And we're so sensitive, you know, in, in some ways of other people, you know, having to care for us or step into our personal space. We're not really comfortable with, with other people doing that sometimes. And I think that has a lot to do with, we're not ready to go in and do it for someone else. So this, this hesitation, I don't want somebody to see my mess. Well, if you were really in fellowship with people, they'd be seeing your mess on a regular basis. You wouldn't just be cleaning your house when you had um, cut, you know, visitors. Uh, I often joke with people who come to my house and I say, you, I want you to know that you are in my inner circle because I didn't bother to make everything look pristine. When I don't know people very well, that's when I'm more interested, I think, at times to make the house look spotty clean. But it goes beyond 
physical help. I just use that because that's sort of the low hanging fruit. Mom just, um, you know, broke her leg. Well, sometimes mom just had a baby or mom had a miscarriage and mm -hmm. she's not really ready to tell everybody what she needs. Uh, a famous thing, hey, let me know if you need anything. Well, that means that the person who might have a tremendous number of needs now has to sit down and figure out what you who just offered this can do for her as opposed to being aware of your own circumstance and saying, okay, I can't necessarily come and babysit for hours, but I'm going to the grocery store, give me a list and I will pick up yours. And you know what? You can pay me back later, right? By jumping right in and saying, this is how I will help as opposed to you tell me what you need. Because that puts the burden on the person who's already burdened. Right, right. Likewise, likewise, if you're somebody, and I recently had a circumstance with a woman who was going through a separation and I wasn't in a position to necessarily help her with her children. But the more we talked and I heard what it was that was frustrating her, what was frustrating her was that she really needed a deep cleaning of her house. Well, I wasn't going to go in and be able to do that, but the amount of time and effort I was willing to spend, I could pay for somebody to go in and do that for her. And she was elated because she got what she needed, but she never would have asked somebody that. So sometimes you have to hang out with someone long enough to find out what they really need and want and not just make it what you think they want. Because right. maybe they have plenty of casseroles in the freezer. They don't need another casserole, but maybe they just need somebody to take the kids to the park because <laughs> they've been cooped up all day with mom with her foot in the cast and she could just really have opportunity to do something by herself and somebody comes in and helps. But you have to be perceptive enough and be willing to say, mm -hmm. okay, what do I think she really needs? And encourage her to tell you. Right. Right. So if there's not that kind of a crisis, how do we begin to develop and identify those people that are, that would be a good, uh, good support? What is, what are some of those things that we're looking for? Aside from somebody that's just a good dishwasher, you know, which you wouldn't necessarily know how good a dishwasher they were. So in your <laughs> church setting, in your homeschool co-op settings, uh, look for people who are available. And this goes back to the idea that women who have raised children and maybe don't live particularly close to their own grandchildren should be substitute surrogate grandma and grandpa for families and really don't wait to be asked. If you go in and they don't want you, they'll make that pretty obvious. And so maybe your feelings will get hurt but maybe you'll notice and say, oh, this is a way in which I can interact with this family and make it a point to call on a regular basis. How's it going? Now we've got email, text messaging, need anything today. I'm going to the grocery store. Can I pick something up for you? How are the kids doing? You see, by being involved, then it becomes an organic, natural thing. By making it forced, I think in a lot of cases it never happens. Right. Right, right. I think that um, we can observe and recognize when people need help. 
even when they're not asking for it specifically. So, for example, if um, if you go somewhere and mom's always concerned about the house being a wreck, you may observe that maybe she needs some instructions on um, on getting ahead of that curve or prioritizing or really learning how to clean herself. So there there are um, there is support and ways that we can help one another that um, that you don't have to wait wait for the crisis. You don't have to wait for the um, invitation. You just can recognize it and perhaps um, as appropriate begin to be that support and then and that'll start the conversation so that when they do have that crisis, you'll be the one that they have the confidence to call on. And I often think that women especially and some women don't know how to train their children, how to help maintain the house. So you have a seasoned person who's been there and done that. She can say, you know what? I'm showing up on Saturday. Is that cleaning day? Okay. And I'll help you. Let's tackle these jobs, cleaning out closets, uh, you know, fixing up the backyard, whatever it is. And along the way, if you realize that the children don't have a clue that A, they should help or B, how to help, that it becomes an informal, hey, let me tell you how, let's let's make it your job to pull these weeds. Let's make it your job to pick up the dog stuff in the backyard or whatever it is. But if you're not ready to be involved, then these real life, I need something will never come your way because you don't seem accessible. So I'm making a plea for people to be accessible not be concerned with now that I've raised my children, how am I going to find myself? Hey, there are plenty of people who need to find you because if nothing else, you can say, I used to do this, this, and this, and didn't work out for me. I think maybe there's another way to do this. And so we become friends and, but friends who this is the first person I'm likely to call if I need something. Right. Right. We have to get past the idea that our relationships are for the purpose of entertainment and fun. You know, we, there's a lot of um, young people that I see that wouldn't even know how to approach a burn, much less know, know what, which end to do something, you know, which end to do something with, you know? And um, so we, we can often unconsciously, um, just expect that all of our relationships have to be about entertainment or surface things or, or excuse, just, just excuse the house. Oh, just excuse the house and not recognize that it is evidence of a need, evidence of a, a need to um, prioritize and discipline. And sometimes that is, really very much a um, expression of a lack of um, order in our thinking is a lack of order in our home. Right. I might be right. getting off topic there, but it is Not something really, that, but that would be an observation that you would make as you got closer to somebody and say, um, her house is disorderly. Probably how she plans out her week is not as orderly as it could be. I'll give you a great example. I used to attend a church and it was very obvious that mom with her three kids was having a very difficult time keeping them quiet. Mm -hmm. And not that children have to be totally silent in church, but these children were, you know, climbing on things and whatever. 
<clears throat> and I just one day said, I'm going to sit next to them at church. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, when the child started doing something, I just looked at that child and I went, no, uh -uh, sit down. And I'm not sure that the child knew exactly what was happening, but somebody with authority who seemed to be pretty confident in what she was doing said, no. So then the mother was very grateful because she was obviously struggling and asking mm -hmm. somebody, would you sit next to me in church would probably not have entered into her thinking, but it was helpful. Right. And right. let me tell you where investing this way on both ends of this equation is very important. Even though the Bible doesn't talk about adolescence as a viable category that we should pay attention to, our culture gives a lot of credence to the teen years and basically enforces things like disrespect for authority and challenging things that are absolute. So if your children, <clears throat> even if they don't go to a public school, but if they're exposed to any sort of media, they get the idea that they don't have to listen to what's going on. I cannot tell you how helpful it is when you're bucking heads with one of your teen children to have a trusted friend to say, would you help me out here? Would you invite my daughter out for coffee? Not with, this is what I'm, I want you to say to her. No, quite the contrary. If you trust this person and you've developed a relationship and you know this person loves the Lord and is faithful to scripture, then you will trust expanding the circle and that person can be part of your safety net. Mm -hmm. I know that the times that I have made use of such things, it's not that when my son or daughter came back and I said, I want to know everything that person said. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to know everything that person said, but I noticed there was a calmness. Maybe there were things that the other person got to hear that for whatever reason, my child wasn't, eager or interested in telling me. And so we have to build up this network of support. Otherwise, they will go to other people who we don't trust. And we, we know whose world and life view is not similar to ours in terms of scripture. Right, right. Sometimes, Andrea, our children maybe don't want to tell us, but there are, because we're human, there are also maybe times when they're telling us and we're not hearing it. And, and that also has happened. I remember with one case, there was a woman who was at wit's end with her daughter. No matter what they did, this young man who kept coming around, they couldn't get him to go away. He kept mm -hmm. coming around and it became obvious that the daughter wasn't about to have this young man go away. So I mm -hmm. said to the woman, how about I take your daughter and we have a conversation? Well, the more I did have that conversation, I spent a couple of hours with the daughter and her hero in life was her mother. She wanted to be just like her mother. She wanted oh. to be able to become a wife so that she could become a mother. And now I think she's got four or five kids. She and her mother are close with each other, but I had to be able to go back and say, no, she's not angry about you. She wants to be like you, but somehow mm -hmm. or other mom missed that. And daughter right. somehow or other wasn't about to say, mom, I want to be just like you. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes other people in our support group are trusted ears and a trusted voice for ourselves or our children that we need to um, 
to begin to develop those relationships and be looking for those people before there's a crisis. Because right. if, if there is a crisis, we know that the Lord will provide, but it, it may not be, you may miss developing a very important uh, relationship that is, is beneficial on both sides. You know, the scripture tells us that it's better to give than to receive. And so a lot of people don't, you know, they maybe they don't want to be on the receiving end of the services and care. But if we always take that position, then we are preventing a blessing for that other person. And, and that's not good. <laughs> and it means that we don't take God's word seriously because right. the communion of saints is a communion it's a fellowship and if my family whether it's my biological family or the family of god there's somebody in trouble it's not that wouldn't it be nice if i did something god says it's your responsibility because if you don't assume that responsibility guess who's more than willing to take it mm. and not do a very good job well we know the state and the school and you know some other little teenager drive, uh, you know, running up and down the road will will be the one to pick up that slack and speak into that void. I think that developing the support, identifying support, developing it before it's a crisis is very important thing to do. And to think about that worldview that's being presented, um, not just that they're close and available, but but is it a trusted source that is going to be um, uh, continuing to speak in terms of God's word in our lives. And this is something that families, especially homeschooling families, are primed to do. So guess what, kids? Today, instead of opening up our book and doing three pages in math, we're going over to the Jones family house, and we're going to help um, do some things that mom can't do because she just had a baby. Or... Uh, we're going to go and do a field trip and we're going to take those kids with us. Um, mm -hmm. If your children are being trained for service, as opposed to academics are the most important thing, then by the time they have a multitude of letters after their names, they still won't have a clue as to how to help other people and recognize a need. Right. Part of it right. is if, if you walked into a room and there was water dripping from the ceiling, you might conclude there's a leak in your roof. If your sure. solution is merely to put a pot underneath, okay, that's fine, but it's not a long-term solution. So part of interacting and intersecting with other people's lives is that we teach our children, okay, first you have to recognize and diagnose whatever the problem is, and then see where you feasibly can help. If the family is suffering because they're heavily in debt and you're not in a position to pull them out of debt, well, then obviously there are things you can do to lessen the burden without necessarily totally eradicating the problem. Mm -hmm. Or enabling the problem. We exactly. don't want to enable it either. Exactly. Right. We were, um, we were out at a, um, out of town over the weekend for a business uh, training. We went for business training and um, what happened was the, the couples 
grown son had an emergency appendectomy and we ended up with all their grandchildren overnight. So what went down for a business trip actually ended up being real support for this family in a crisis. And we were just able to jump right in as extra sets of, of grandparents happy to, to um, bounce, bounce a kid and, and uh, feed somebody their spaghetti. So <laughs> it works and it's a blessing. Right. But let's be honest, Nancy. When you first were confronted with this, you might have had the reaction, oh, no, this is not what I planned. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're in love with the task ahead of you. There's duty as opposed to preference. And I think if more of us looked at our duty to put our nose in other people's business enough not to run their lives, but to help bear their burdens. And so um, I think if you took the time to recognize those times in your own life where you really could have used some help, but there was nobody there to help, you can realize how you might be able to spot people in other or similar circumstances and say, okay, I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like. I bet you this person really needs this. And then, you know, see what happens. Send out a trial balloon. You might discover that nobody has come up with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So be well, the safety net. Acquire a, a, a group of people who can be your safety net. And then in a lot of ways, make this part of how we educate our families and ourselves in terms of maybe reorder. All right, so I'm about to go out and I'll make the grocery store thing again. Who should I call and say, who do I know is right now maybe in need for some help? Make a call and say, I'm going to be in your neighborhood tomorrow or today or whatever it is. Can I pick something up for you? And just, you now maybe you'll get 10 no's and one day you'll get an 11th. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, I do need something. And that would be really helpful. And then while you're there, you may discover inner struggles that this person has. And why do you get to hear it? Because now the person trusts you mm -hmm. and you're there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. the hardest thing is to show up. We need to exactly. show up in other people's lives. It is. I think it's really important to model this for the, like you said, model it with the children and for the children in, in the home, you know, so they need to practice being each other's support and loving each other and carrying one another's burdens in the home. And uh, so that there is a frame of reference for, for doing that with the neighbors and, um, and to remember that our support system has to be really close by. It ha we have to get beyond the superficial and it has to be really very, very practical in nature, not just, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. Oh, you poor thing. You know, and there's a great place for recommending books and things like that. But people don't learn as well in, in a, and they don't take his instructions very well during a crisis. It's better to work through some of these things when you're not in a crisis and um, so that there's a, a frame of reference for it. We used to um, say that um, when we would come to the dinner table, we would we practiced conversation and talking about different things. 
so that we would have a frame of reference for it when there was other um, other uh, uh, crisis or something really, really important. We we'd have practice doing it. Right. So you've already you've already experienced it because you talked about it. Right. A, a practice I've gotten into is if you know, sometimes you have a dream and somebody who you haven't thought of in a long time is in your dream. It's like, how did that person mm -hmm. get in my dream? Or you just start thinking of somebody randomly. I've made a point of contacting that person, figuring that maybe this was a nudge from God that this person needs to talk to me or needs to talk to someone. Do I always get through? No, but I'll leave a message and I'll find out maybe later on, you know, that was really sweet that when that message you left six months ago and I'll think, oh, okay, did I, oh, I guess I did. <laughs> I left a message six months ago, but I realize that God can, can nudge us a lot of different ways. And so if somebody's on your mind or on your heart, number one, it's an opportunity to pray for them, but maybe it's also a nudge that says, get in touch with that person and see if there's something that person needs that you can be um, assistive with, or it might even be just the opposite. It might be someone, and I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, I can't believe you just called me. I was just thinking of you. Right. That is, uh, that is not uncommon for that to happen. Right. Right. So let's give God the glory, but let's pay attention when we're getting a nudge to do something and realize that whether or not we want to, we should be a support structure for those in our family, first and foremost, and then in the family of God. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Well, it's been a, a very uh, enjoyable conversation today, and I hope that folks will take this take their um, obligation to be a support for others and really begin to look around and see where they can start to do that and develop their own support to be a support system and to develop their own. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll see you next time, Nancy, and we'll talk about another thing that might be help to homeschooling and Christian families. Very good. Thanks, Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast, holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.